So glad you're here today. What a, what a f- refreshment it's been to worship the Lord with you. And what a delight that is. I look forward to all week. On Friday, we have a little new thing. We're sending a little email out to kind of let you know what's up. Um, I, okay, so imagine that, you know, I sent you an email. And I said, don't miss next week because a guy with two PhDs from like Oxford and Cambridge colleges of Oxford and Cambridge. Are, 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 he's coming to speak next week. What would you do? You would say, I'm going to sit next to Neil so he can explain what that guy's talking about. <laughs> or Leo or something, right? <laughs> what if I said to you, oh, don't miss next week because, um, well, Jesus' brother is going to be here. You would be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> We're going to be there. And we're going to ha- hear what he has to say. And here's what I found is interesting. As we come to the close of our series, as we're teaching through the, the epistle of James, the half-brother of Jesus, here's the thing that, that is, has impressed me as I've studied this. And there are certainly, you know, knots to untie in interpretation, that kind of thing. But basically, have you noticed this? It's pretty simple, straightforward not really that hard to understand. And as we come to the end, and James wraps up his epistle, it's just five kind of staccato. If this, this, if this, this, if this, this, and they're simple. And anybody can understand them. Let's take our Bibles, and let's turn to the book of James in chapter 5, and we'll just read the text uh, for the, the final message here. Uh, next week, we'll, we'll be talking about three very powerful ways to help you when you have anxiety or fear or when you're, uh, you're, you're afraid to do what you really know you ought to do. That's what we'll be talking about next week. Uh, Pastor Leal will be here on Labor Day weekend to preach to us. He's preaching over in Spring Lake today. Um, on, uh, in the first of the month of uh, the, the second Sunday in September, we launch a series, Demons, a- Angels, Demons, God, and You. It's called uh, The Unseen World, Angels, Demons, God, and you, and that's kind of what you can look forward to, if the Lord wills. But right now, it's James chapter 5, and let's just read together, um, read, uh, listen as I read James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, and while I do it, just notice how very simple. You'll have some questions that come to your mind, but it really is pretty straightforward and simple, and notice what he does about five times. He's going to say, if this, then this. If this happens, do this. He's going to do it five times. I'm going to start back in verse 12 because we're really not sure where 12 fits. So here's how it works. It either either fit with last week's message more or this week's message, and I'm just not sure. Let's start right there. Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins... He will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person is a great power as it's working. Elijah, well, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if, any of, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I used to golf a lot with my brother-in-law. We were pretty evenly matched. We were both bad. So... So we had competition that way. We were pretty evenly matched. But he was probably a little better athlete about him, but I employed psychological warfare, and so I often could beat him. All I would have to do is I would have to, comp- I would have to complicate things by suggesting golf tips. And if he tried them, I would win. So that's just the way it works. So remember that when someone gives you a golf tip, he's probably not your friend. Anyway, this is, the, this is the feeling I got when I look at, at James and I think, here is this powerful leader of the church. James, I mean, James. And he's, he's seasoned, he's experienced, he's, my, has he been with Jesus. And he didn't just immediately believe in his half-brother Jesus. He probably doubted for quite a time, maybe not even really kind of present there at the cross. And yet later on had the post-resurrection appearance and then became a powerful leader in the church. And even the, the key spokesman uh, for the church, maybe the, 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 the presiding elder in Jerusalem. And, and so here, here, here's this, this man who when he comes towards the end of his life and he has something to say to the church, it is so straightforward and simple. He doesn't complicate things. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's like James isn't saying the Christian life is going to be easy, but he is showing, but it isn't complicated. It's not complicated. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it's not, following Jesus is not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. But you're not going to be alone. You're not going to be doing it in your own power. And it's a pretty simple and straightforward thing. It isn't complicated. So what you're going to see in the text as we kind of work through it, you're going to see simple things like, So what do you do? You sing a lot, you pray a lot, you do what's right. It's not some big, complex kind of thing. So that's what you're going to see. And so James is giving some very simple things. Now, when you see these five things that we're going to work through kind of quickly, they all are in the context that we just come out of, which is the heart of this text where it says uh, in a couple of ways that, that Christians should live with a sense that Jesus is coming soon, and that God is present in spirit, right? So, so all of this should be seen. Remember, God is watching. He's at the door. The coming of the Lord is at hand. In all the things we're going to say, you want to you think in all these simple things, always remember, because, I mean, after all, God is, is, Jesus is at hand. The judge is at the door. Always, so with all of these, that's what we're going to think it's going to be a part of each one of these. So notice these things. The first thing of five things is when under pressure, we remember God and we're honest in our speech. That's verse 12. 
When we're under pressure, we remember God and we're honest in our speech. That's verse 12. In the context of these people who are refugees under a lot of pressure and under persecution, under difficulty in their life, it's like when you're having a hard time in your life, remember, just be honest with what you say because, you know, God is listening. God is watching. Just say, be careful what you say when things are hard. You should be careful what you say all the time, but it's especially important to be careful what you say when things are hard. Not too long ago, I bumped into a guy I didn't expect to bump into, and then I said things I didn't expect to tell him. And then before, I, before a half an hour went by, I had to call him back, and I had to ask his forgiveness for saying some of the stuff I said. How many of you would like to know what it is I said to him? Raise your hand. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you that. Um, and so, not gonna, but uh, I, I thought, wow, you know, I wish I had known I was going to bump into him, and I could have kind of had a little script ahead of time. <laughs> and now it works. So wouldn't it be a better idea if we all lived with a consciousness of the judge is at the door, the coming of the Lord is at hand, God is listening to every word we say, right? There's an unseen guest at our dinner table, unseen guest at every home, remember that? Silent listener to every conversation, remember that? This is what we want to remember. And so we watch our mouth, and and especially honest, and characterized by honesty with what we say. So the first one is when we're under pressure, we remember God, and we, we watch what we say, or we speak honestly, We're honest in our speech. The second one is, when we suffer, we remember God. And what do we do? We pray. Isn't that simple? We pray. What do you do when you suffer? This is instinctive for a Christian. The first thing you're hurting, and all of a sudden there goes that prayer. You didn't even have to have a prayer meeting. You didn't have to read a book on prayer. You have pain that keeps you up in the night and the Holy Spirit lives in you, I know what you're going to be doing tonight. You're going to be praying. (laughs) That's just the way it works. You have a kid that goes off and does something dumb like you did when you were young? What are you going to do about that? (laughs) After you've done, after you, you know, after you have exhausted yourself with advice, and after you have threatened, you know, your feet under my table, under my roof, blah, 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 and then they still do what they're going to do? Then what do you do? Yeah, you, you pray. That's why it says here, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Imagine Don Beans, you know, one of our charter members had triple bypass, kind of needed quadruple bypass, triple bypass this week. So now that's a crisis, right? A lot of praying going on right there. And there's going to be a lot of praying going on. There should be. That's what the Bible says. So, so if you ask James what to do, he would say, well, now pray. I, you ever hear people say, don't just tell me to pray. I'm like, well, I don't want to be a smart aleck, but if you know Jesus, you might not say st- dumb things like that. Like, don't just tell me to talk to God. Well, I, I'm sorry, but if I can't tell you that, I'm kind of out of material because that's what we do. Okay, so that's what James, and this is James, that's what he said. He didn't have some fancy formula that you have to like, you know, kind of know the original language to understand. It's like suffering, pray, okay? Mildred Peters was 103 years old when she died. My goodness, I used to go and call on her. When I was such a young pastor, I would drive by Harold and Mildred, Lois, remember them? Harold and Mildred Peters in our first church. I noticed that if I would drop by their house, one day I was just driving to town, and I thought, 
you know, they're old farm folks, so I'll just drop in. I drop in, you know, back then you could just drop in anywhere, anytime, and then people would just, oh, come on in. She said, let me get you some pie. I would try to time it up to, so it would be appropriate time of day to eat pie. And uh, <laughs> so she gave me some pie, cherry pie, really good, really good pie. And then she would watch you eat it, you know, put it in front of you, then watch you. Like. <laughs> and I didn't want to disappoint her, you know, so I'm not that kind of guy. I wouldn't do it. And so we would talk. And then I noticed that the church went great for a while. And then sometimes I would neglect my pie with Mildred and Harold Peters, and the church wouldn't go so good. After a while, I began to draw a corollary. I need to eat pie with these people, <laughs> or the church is not going to go well. And if you see pictures of me long ago when I was skinner, you understand. This is just like I threw myself on the sword, you know, for the work of God. That's what I did. Uh, but no kidding. I, I remember, though, that those people then, many of the older people in the church, had lived through the Great Depression and through, you know, a, a world war and some conflicts that were, were, were deadly, right? And these people had been through some hardship. I mean, serious hardship. They would grow a garden, and they weren't joking about it because they're like, we need to have our food in case something happens. And then they would always have this thing. It didn't matter where you would visit them. It always sounded similar. It would be like, man, those were hard, good times, and we didn't go hungry. Almost like, People like Mildred and, you know, uh, Harold Peters who lived through the Great Depression, it's almost like they would say hard times can be really good times if you stick together and if you walk with the Lord. You might want to remember that because you're going to have some hard times, right? But hard times can be good times if you have something to go through those hard times with and if you stick together and you walk with the Lord. Now, that's what James is just saying. When you're suffering, you all, he's saying, you know, like when you all suffer, you all pray. <laughs> so that's um, third thing. First, when, you're under, when we're under pressure, we remember God and we're honest in our speech, verse 12. Second thing, when we suffer, we remember God and we pray, verse 13. Then also in verse 13, when, we, when we're joyful, we remember God then and we sing isn't that a great command? Some of the commands from the Bible are really delightful. When you're joyful, what should you do? Sing praise. In other words, give, you know, when you're suffering, you cry out to God. When you're not suffering, remember who, who just pours good things into your life so much that that's the norm. The norm is that you just get poured out an abundance of good things from the Lord all the time. That's the norm, right? The sun comes up every day, sets every night, birds sing every morning and every evening, food on the table every day, even in hard times, food on the table. And, you know, you're sick, yes, but most days you're not sick. And you're well enough to be here today. So you owe him some praise. Thank you for, for what you did today. That's, you're made for that. So what do we do when we're joyful? We sing. Simple. Anybody not understand that? Can I move on? Yeah. Isn't that great? When we're, so I'm going to give you a little message within the message. No extra charge here. Um, don't throw money at me. I just want to give you this, okay? So this week, my daughter, Hannah, I talked to her about last week, going through some heartache. You, you two have gone through much heartache. Okay, so when you go through heartache next time and you're just downcast and you, you have trouble lifting up your head, I want you to remember Psalm 3. This has helped me a lot. Psalm 3. 
You, O Lord, are a shield to me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. You are a shield to me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. You, O Lord, say it with me. You, O Lord, are a shield to me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. So the next time you just don't feel like you can lift up your head, your heart is heavy, and you feel sad, just think, wait a minute, God. God, you're my shield. You're my defender. You're the one that takes care of me. You're the one I look to for defense. And you are my glory. You're the one I value. You're the one with weight in my life. And you're the one who lifts up my head. Can I get an amen on that? Do we have any Christians in the house here? Any Jesus followers in the house? Is my God your God? Do you know him? Yeah, he's my glory and he lifts up my head. He's my shield and my defender. He's my defense and he knows the truth. He's my glory. He's what really matters. And he's the one ultimately who's going to lift up my head when I'm sad. How beautiful is that? I will not be afraid of 10,000 are around me because he is my shield and my glory and the lifter up my head. That was just free for you. Wanted you to have that. Back to this now. So when you, so when you are joyful, bless you, what should you do? <laughs> sing. S- no, not sneeze. Sing. <laughs> sing. Sing. Number four, we only have five. This is, this is like painless, isn't it? Number five, four. <laughs> so number one, when under pressure, remember God and be honest in your speech. Number two, when suffering, remember God and pray. When you're joyful, remember God and give him praise and song. And number four, when you're sick, remember God and call for the elders of the church and confess your sin. And have them anoint you with oil and pray for you. That's what the Bible says. Um, somebody might ask, you know, Christians have differences of opinion about, about healing. We'll, we'll all have the same opinion when you're suffering, right? I'm about healing, but when you're sick, what do you do? Hey, God, can you take this away from me? And if you took it away, how would you feel? You'd be all charismatic about that, wouldn't you? <laughs> You're just like, you're quiet, that's cute. But I mean, you know what I'm saying, right? You may not, like, I don't know about the cessation of sign gifts and miracles and how all, all of that works. It's a mystery to some degree, right? We, we have the teaching of Scripture. We have our ideas about that. But let's keep this thing simple today. When you're sick, what do you do? God, is there anything in my life that's not pleasing to you? And are you trying to get my attention? Are you teaching me something? Have I been disobedient to you? Is there a sin I need to confess? Isn't that always good? Isn't it always good to ask, is there anything wrong that I need to confess? Isn't that always good? Sure. And, and so you, you confess. Isn't it always good to call for the leaders of the church? And the, and the oil, I believe this is symbolic of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I like, you know, this, I, I, I did this yesterday. Okay, I, I have a, 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 a malady of, uh, that I wrestle, struggle with that's painful, kind of a hard week on that. And, and then here I am in this text. <laughs> it's kind of like, well, are you going to call for the elders of the church? Or are you just going to preach about calling for the elders of the church? You know, so I, I talked. Conveniently, we had an elders meeting yesterday, and I tried to kneel down, and I couldn't kneel down. The guys go, don't kneel, just sit in the chair. And they anointed me with oil, and they prayed for me. And I confessed my sin, which probably has led to my problem. Can I get an amen on that from anybody here? <laughs> I mean, a lot of times, okay, so let's not talk about that anymore because it's making me uncomfortable. But I'm just saying this. Here's what we should do. When we have 
a problem, we should do what God says about it. And I can get testimonies from the people in the house right now of people who have been healed because they prayed. Because Jesus said, pray. So does he always heal? Well, we know he doesn't always heal. Does he sometimes heal? We know he sometimes heals. So what we say, here's the deal. We, we say to God, okay, God, if you're trying to get my attention because of sin in my life, I confess my sin. Now, it may not be that we're sick because we're sinful. It may be that we're sick because God is going to get glory. Then what we say is, okay, God, if all the sin is that I know, I've confessed all that I know, then I'm going to ask God, if you can get more glory from me being sick, then you're going to have to help me, but go ahead, and I'll try to be faithful in my sickness. But if you can get more glory from me being well, and I hope that you can get more glory from me being well, because I certainly would like that better, then let me glorify you by being well. When I didn't have a church, and all I have ever wanted to do is be a pastor, and you know, a little while ago, I didn't have a church. I wasn't a pastor at all. I was on a rock praying, God, if it's your will, I would like to have a church to pastor. But if you choose to say, no, I want you to glorify me by being the greeter at Walmart, then I'm going to be the, the most evangelical Walmart greeter you know, and I'm going to glorify you that way. However, we're going to glorify God. So Amy Carmichael... She was a missionary to India and a powerfully effective missionary to India, and she never stopped moving. She didn't have time to write anything down because she was a powerful go-getter, rescuing little girls out of prostitution. Amazing story. And then she injured herself. In a, she was out looking at a place they were going to develop into a housing, and she fell in a hole, and she hurt her leg, and she was injured, and she never got out of bed after that. And as a result of that, she began to cry out to God, God, heal me. God didn't choose to heal her. So she got a board. They brought her a board. She began to write things because she couldn't get out of bed. I'll serve the Lord by writing. And the only reason we know about Amy Carmichael today is because the last 20 years of her life, all she did was write and send those writings all around the world. God chose to allow her to be afflicted for a little while, but she's been with the Lord perfectly healthy in heaven, dancing with with the angels in heaven for years now and so this is why it says this very simple here and, it, and there's something to it we we call for the verse 14 if you're sick call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And I just believe that's what we should just do. If, and this church has practiced and believes this. Um, the prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. Now, here's a little helpful illustration. Uh, and and uh, before I read it, I'm going to take a, a modern human illustration to add to the biblical illustration because I think it will help you a bunch. Years ago, I was tasked with running this huge hotel conference center that was like 500 rooms. It was, it was way bigger job than I could ever do. And I knew that. And I, every day, didn't I, Lois, I would pray, how am I going to do this? And then I, every day I would tell Lois, how long do you think God's going to make me do this? She got really irritated with me. She would say, you know, she would say, I don't know, 20 years. She had, one time, I, I, it was 5 o'clock in the morning, and I was just overwhelmed with all the work and everything, and I got down on my knees. I thought, how in the world? I got, I, no, I was looking through files of boilers and chillers and inspections and load inspections and all the crazy city, accommodations, taxes, and personnel and all this stuff. I, oh, my goodness. Can't I just be a pastor? That's easy. And uh, 
So I remember I called Lois at like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Do you remember this? And I called her and I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm coming home. And Lois goes, why don't you just get, put away those files and don't look at them anymore? And why don't you just get down on your knees and why don't you ask God to help you? <laughs> that was one of the smartest things you ever said. I'm just like, oh my goodness, you know, I guess if my wife says I can do this and put away the files, get down on your knees, and, and God let us do that. But man, that was overwhelming work. And I was up at Camp Barakel, and I was looking around at all the beautiful buildings and everything one day, and I was thinking, how do they do this? And Uncle Johnny, who's the founder, was still alive. And so I walk up beside him, and I say to him, we're walking across the camp, and I say to him, how do you do this? how do you do this? This has got to be a, he's done it for years, and he's an older man now, and he's inflicted, and he, he just real quietly and real simple, he doesn't give anything fancy, he just put his arm around me, he kind of hugged me, and he goes, I just, I walk around here, and I look, and I just, ask, like, we have roofs that have to be replaced, and I just ask the dear Lord, Lord, we're going to need to replace that roof, and I'm just going to turn that over to you. He says, I just tell the dear Lord, and I'm like, and then what? He's like, that's it. That doesn't sound like it would work. He's like, it works. It's worked here for years. I can't work. So I felt like an idiot. I go back to Flint, and I'm like, here's the problem. I'm Ken. I'm not Uncle Johnny. He's like a legend. He's like a hero. He's like a Elijah. See where I'm going with this? I'm like, I understand that God is good, but I also know I'm an idiot. So we got a problem here, you know? And he says, no, I listen to idiots when they pray. Because, uh, you know, I'm not great. Be, you know, you, so, so I go, and I literally walk out in the hotel, and there's a big stain in the carpet, big old honking stain in the carpet. And I have never been able to get that stain out of the carpet. And guest groups come, and, you know, they, you, you're showing them around. You're kind of showing them a different way so they don't see that big stain. There's a little bit of a smell that comes into the lobby that I'm trying to get. I can't get that smell out of the lobby I just started walking around praying, dear Lord, I don't know what to do about that stain. Just, I'm asking you to help me. And then God sent a guy named Ken Krause. And I go, I don't know what to do with that stain. He goes, I want to take care of that for you. Next time I walked by, that stain was gone. I go, how'd you do that? Wasn't in the book. He said, it wasn't a big deal. I'm like, I couldn't get that out of there. After a while, it smelled like bread in the lobby. It didn't smell like the, like the, the trash compactor. Like it used to smell like... Ken, Ken came. I met him at, at camp. He followed me back, back home. We, we recruited him. He came to work there, answered a prayer, and he, and he had special cleansers and compounds and power cleaned the, the trash compactor. It didn't smell bad in the lobby. Anymore. It smelled like baking bread in the lobby. This works for even idiots. You should try it. Um, pray. That's what. Now, James was a lot nicer than me. He wouldn't ever imply that his listeners were idiots. I, I shouldn't have done that either. I, but James is just saying, Elijah was like a guy like us, and he prayed, and it stopped raining for three and a half years. Lois and I have discovered, you know, we just have this heavy feeling over us that we don't deserve anything from God. And we lay in our bed at night, and and we talk about it over and over again. How could it be that God has done so many good things for people like us who don't deserve it? How could it be? Satan wants you to think you're a loser. Satan wants you to think that you're an idiot, like your pastor shouldn't have just said that. Satan wants you to think that you're not worthy of answered prayer. Satan wants you to not take your things to God. But God just wants you to tell him 
And then he wants to work in your life. And then he wants you to know that he's good. And that he answers the prayers of little children and people that stumble and falter and people that fall off the wagon and get back on the wagon again. Because he's just that good. And he listens to you. He's bending over in heaven with his hand cupped to his ear, waiting for you to pray to him. And that's why it says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Which then I guess we could say Uncle Johnny was a man with a nature like ours. Like, uh, yes, Ken, I love you, and I will answer your pray, prayers. Try me out on this. <laughs> I won't say too much, but every once in a while, I'll see somebody that's starting out in the, in the shallow waters of this. And you can tell that you kind of go, oh, here we go. Do I dare take this money I have in this time that I have and help this person with it when I'm very limited in the time that I have and the money that I have? And then they do that. And then over here, it's like, whoa, did you see the blessing that came that was exponentially greater than the little thing they sowed like a seed and they gave away over here? You can live that way. You can trust God. You can, even if you are imperfect. I could talk. Does anybody in the house doubt I could talk about this for hours? That's how good God is. And he wants us to have a, a living testimony of that. He wants our children to see a living testimony of that. He wants them to know that he's alive and that he loves them and that they can trust him in the darkest nights of their soul. They can trust him with their finances. They can trust him with their longings. They can trust him with their temptations and their sins and their failures and their mistakes and their addictions. They can trust him because all you do is you simply pray to God and watch what he does. You say, I, I, I don't believe it. Well, when you start believing it, you start practicing that God will act on your behalf. When we're sick, remember God and pray. A final thing, and when, so, when someone strays, what do we do? This is verses 19 and 20. 19 and 20. What, 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 what happens when somebody strays off? And this is, all, this is the last thing James says. This is always on a pastor's heart. Those little empty pews, you know. There used to be somebody there. Whatever happened to them? You know, James had that. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Isn't that one of the most beautiful things you ever read in the Bible? Let him know. James says, you know, I'm not there anymore. And some people have wandered off. And would you just let the people know that if they will go out and they find the people that are lost, then they will bring them back. They will save their soul from death. And, and, and they, will, they will interrupt a multitude of sins. They'll cover a multitude of sins. How beautiful is that? Leo called me this week. Former pastor Leo. Most of you know that, right? Yeah. And he called me. He didn't have to call me. He's a big boy. He goes, I want you to know I won't be there Sunday because I'm going to be preaching in Spring Lake. I thought it was kind of cute. You know, I appreciate it. You know, we talked a little bit. Let me know about that or text me. I guess maybe he texted me. Anyway, point of it is he contacted me. And why is that? Well, that's kind of what, you don't have to check in with me. I'm not saying that. But, you know, you'll have that every once in a while. Somebody say, hey, I'm going to be such and such a place. Because they're faithful. That's why. Week after week after week after week. And he's like, if I'm not there, I want you to know where I am. And he, again, you don't have to do that. Please don't call me if you go on vacation unless you want to. I'm just saying that, that's a pattern with, with people, you know, that are faithful. That's the way they are. And, you know, because we are always watching over the flock. 
seeing if somebody is straying off. Because, man, it's easy to stray off anymore. And the Bible says a shepherd, and we have elders as shepherds here, pastors, multiple pastors here. Um, and 14 of them, you have 14 pastors in this church. It's kind of cool. They're watching over your souls. The elders are watching over your souls. Shepherds are watching over your souls. They're praying for you by name. They're watching over you. They, they want you to do well. They meet every Saturday morning, and they pray together for you. And they think, who do we need to pray for? And they pray. And they put their time in on that. And they think about you. How sweet is that? They have to give an account for your soul. And so, so it is, if we help one another, that's why we, we, we watch, and if somebody strays, we, we lovingly make a project out of going out and patiently winning them back and saving their soul, perhaps from death and covering a, a multitude of sins. And the Bible says in Jeremiah that pastors, shepherds who won't do that, they receive a great condemnation from the Lord. I remember the first time I read that. I was over living on Bradley Street, right over here. And I remember laying in bed reading that in Jeremiah going, wow, God expects pastors to go out after people if they stray, and he's serious about it. Robert Fulgham's a writer, and he was writing one day, and there were kids playing in his backyard. It was kind of irritating. There was a little kid that they were trying to kind of lose and a bunch of older kids are playing so the older kids they say let's play hide and seek you go hide <laughs> so the little kid hides in a pile of leaves and then all the old kids run away Fulgham's stops writing and he's looking out the window now and after a while he hears a whimpering crying little boy his heart sad, so he goes down what's the matter buddy he says, I hid, but nobody came looking for me. I hope that we're always the kind of church that if somebody shows up missing, we go, man, hadn't seen them for a while. Let's go find them. Let's bring them back. Sensitive story, but there's a couple in our other church, and they... Uh, been, they made some bad choices. They wouldn't mind me to tell you. They made some bad choices in their past, like some of you have. That's a joke. We all have, right? That's trying to be funny. They made bad choices in their past that was painful, like we all have. As a result of that, they always brought that to church with them. They always felt like kind of people were, you know, and their feelings kind of got hurt, and they left the church. So I drove my car out to their house, and I said to Tom and Diane, please come back. We love you. We miss you. And in the same, when your pew empty back there, I liked it when you came. And they're like, well, you know, people are looking down on us because of the mistakes we made in the past. Like, I'm like, well, if they are, shame on them. But most of them probably aren't. But come back. We love you. And they came back. And a while later, they left again. And um, so I got in my car. I went out to their house. And I sat down with them. And I sat for a few hours. And they said, they had some grievances, some hurts, you know, and I said, would you, would you really pray about, you know, coming back? We, we really would miss you if you, and then, they, and then they said, okay. So they came back. And Lois and I were talking about that. You had that conversation like, how many times are you going to have to do that? You know? Lois is on the end of 
her whole thing is like she's wired, gifted, and you can come up and speak if you want to for yourself. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, her, her, I'm safe on that. Her, but her, you know, she's more wired on the prophet end where it's like, you know, the way I grew up, you just went to church if you love Jesus. What's wrong with these people? You know, it's kind of like a little, <laughs> a little bit more like that. You might want to talk to her and get her version of that exactly. I, I probably didn't accurate. You know, I'm a little bit more on like, let's go ask them again. And so between the two, right? So I, so they left the church the third time. And this time, I heard a rumor, it was because of something I said. Imagine somebody being upset with something I said. I, I don't get that. So here's what I did. This is just awful, right? I decided I'm not going to go see him this time. I said, I'm going to call him and tell him to come and see me. So I literally call him on the phone. I go, before you leave, drop in and see me was crazy so they do they come by the church office and they come in never forget it and they they sit down and i said okay hey you guys i'm your pastor at least for now because <laughs> you're leaving but but right now i'm your pastor and you do not have my permission to leave the church <laughs> and they were like they looked at me real funny i go i mean you know i'm just saying i'm your pastor i'm watching out for your soul and you shouldn't be leaving you know, you're hurt, and I hurt you, and I'm sorry, and you taught me what I should never say again because that was painful to you, and I promise I won't ever say it again. But you don't belong in some other church. You belong in our church, and I, I kind of cheated. I said, you remember when our daughter Hannah got married? We could only invite a handful of people to the reception, and you were among them. Remember, you came, and we, you were, you're like family to us. We love you. We would miss you if you left. You should stick with us. And they go, well, the church is kind of legalistic. And I go, I oh, know, I hate that. And I'm working on that. And I want you to go home. I want you to get on your knees. I want you to pray. And I want you to ask the Lord, if, is Ken trying to make the church more legalistic or less legalistic? And if he says less, then you should come back. Am I, did I lose any of you on that? And I said, but, but I think you should stay. We love you. And I said, so go home and pray. And I remember Diane, who has a very tender heart, started crying. And she didn't even ask Tom, her husband. She started crying. She goes, we don't need to pray. Then she goes, do we, Tom? He's like, no. <laughs> and they stayed. And then when I had to leave the church there, I went off to drive my little red Jeep down to the mountains all around. I was going to have to raise money. I wasn't sure my car was going to run. I didn't have any income. I didn't have any insurance. I didn't have any gas. And Tom and Diane reached down their pocket every month and they gave me $400 a month all the time until I came here and you all started paying me. Now that's probably something I shouldn't have said publicly. I mean, I'm not apologizing for that. I'm just saying this is serious stuff. When you, when you help go get somebody, and, and, and I'm going to quit, but here's a little piece. If you were the devil, okay, and you could see, here's this guy straying off, this gal straying off, and they're back in drugs again, or they're back in booze again, or they're just discouraged, or they're, 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 they got all that extra overtime, I just can't imagine not taking that overtime, and they're watering from the Lord, or, or there's that girl at the water cooler, or that guy at the water cooler, whatever. And they, if you were the devil, right, and, 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 and the spirit was working on a Christian going, go get him, wouldn't you discourage that Christian right there, right? So many times I've had this happen to me, happen this week, happen, I remember one time I sit at my desk, 
And I was thinking about a guy named Phil. And, and I'm thinking, I have just kind of babied this guy. I've gone after him. I've called on him, met with him, and, and called him at 5 in the morning, met with him at 5 in the morning, and spent a lot of time with him. I'm, and I just remember sitting at my desk going, I'm just going to give up on him. I literally, the, in my mind was like, I, just, I guess I'll just give up on him. I have, I have you know, just tried hard enough. I'm going to give up. I, this, literally the exact thought in my mind was, I guess I should give up on him. And my phone rang, almost like it startled me. Well, out in the country, and I, I pick up the phone, and it was Phil. And Phil goes, Pastor Ken? I'm like, yeah, he goes, this is Phil. I go, hey, Phil, I was just thinking about you. I didn't tell him what I was thinking. I just said, <laughs> I was just thinking about you. And he goes, well, I don't have anything really on my mind. I just want to make sure that you just don't give up on me. I'll never forget that. You know what's kind of cool today? Phil Theophilus is his name. And every once in a while, I on my Twitter feed, I get these beautiful tweets. <laughs> that sounds funny, doesn't it? From his daughters, who are grown women who love Jesus right now. And I think, maybe not, if we had given up. That's so sweet, isn't it? So James, how did this whole thing end with James? You know, James was a faithful pastor, and the Bible doesn't say how he died. But some really reliable church history says that there was a little window of time when there was some persecution that broke out against Christians by the Jewish people. And they took James to the pinnacle of the temple and they threw him off. They expected that to kill him, but it didn't. And when James hit the ground after being thrown off the pinnacle of the temple, he, had, he didn't die. But he got up to his knees and he began to pray for the people who were persecuting him. And so they began to stone him. And then a man... They say he came along with a club and finished the job. And James went to be with the Lord. And he died with a simple faithfulness to God. So his life wasn't easy. But it was simple and it was sweet. God give all of us that sweet, simple faith that endures. Stand as we pray. Stand as we pray, would you? While you're standing, I want you to think, if you are not confident that you have eternal life, I have no idea why you wouldn't literally run to the cross, throw yourself down, and get that taken care of before Jesus comes back or before you die. Follow Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Confess your sins. Become a Christian. It's very simple. It's going to be hard, but it's very simple. You can do this in the quietness of your own heart and a prayer to God, or you can, uh, at the end of our service today, there'll be prayer folks so that come up here, uh, couples, and you can say to them, I need you to pray with me. I want to become a Christian, or I want to become a follower of Jesus. Most of us probably made that decision a, a while ago, and, uh, and if that's true, you should be happy you did today. I'm going to pray, then we're going to sing. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. It never fails us to open your heart to us. Show us that following you is the only right way. It's the only way to live, the only way to face this world that we're in. Thank you for your goodness that you pour out on us every day. And thank you that when bad things happen to us, we have that we can turn to you and that we can help one another. Give us, I pray a very simple and sincere faith. Amen and amen.